Have you noticed that the work most copywriters do doesn't exactly fall under the description of creative? Yeah, we write about ideas, hopefully big ideas, but the work of most copywriters is pretty common. It's like all of the other copy in their industry. So here's a test. Choose a niche, doesn't matter which one. Go to Google, find 10 companies in that niche and open up their websites. Then read the headlines. You can actually do this for the niche that you work in. Every time I do this, I'm amazed that about eight out of the 10 make pretty much the same promise in their headlines. Now, usually it's something like save time, save money. They word it a little bit differently, but it's, it's basically the same. And then the other two headlines are usually so bland that they're not really making any promise at all. They might be trying to describe what they do, but usually that even falls flat. And it's not just websites. Uh, with a few exceptions, ads look and feel the same. Even most content blurs into a vast mass of content schlock. Hi, I'm Rob Marsh, one of the founders of the Copywriter Club. And on today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, my co-founder Kira Hug and I interviewed creative copywriter Shlomo Genshin. Shlomo writes a lot about his creative process, how he comes up with ideas, and how to think more expansively when developing things like headlines, hooks, and more. Uh, it's really the answer to this everybody looks the same problem. It's something that copywriters and content writers around the world definitely need to be doing more of. So we think you're going to like this episode. But first, this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground. That's the membership for copywriters and content writers that includes not just training, literally more than 100 hours of training on different topics, but actual feedback on your copy, as well as monthly coaching calls from mentors you can trust where you can get the help that you need to grow your business. I'm not going to share all of the details here. You can find out more at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash TCU. That's TCU for the Copywriter Underground, where you can join and immediately expand your network of amazing copywriters who are all working to grow and build something bigger together this year. Okay, let's go to our interview with Shlomo. So I started just as, you know, like, I think like a lot of people, I started like looking for ways to maybe to get rich online. I don't know, like just, you know, how to start a business, how to make money online. And I kind of came across all those like regular scammers that you would see. They would tell you like, yeah, get rich in 10 days. And, and I bought one of those courses. And, you know, nothing came out of it, of course, because it was just like kind of scammy and kind of like not really possible to to apply, you know, like to, to kind of implement all of that. But then one thing that I learned there was like copywriting. And they were like, yeah, you know, like the magic of copywriting, like you could basically persuade any person to buy anything. Uh, and it's so easy and you just need some words and it's so simple. And I was like, OK, that sounds interesting. Like I could sell anything in the world and I don't know, do affiliate marketing and, and whatnot. Um, and then I just, I just like went to Google and looked up the best copywriting school in the world. And what came up was Miami ad school in Berlin. Um, so that's it. And, you know, like fast, fast forward, I, I created a little portfolio, uh, you know, like already started working for some clients just to get some experience and, and I got in and I flew to Berlin <laughs> and I moved there. And started, you know, started studying copywriting. And then when I when I came there, like I saw that, it, you know, it was so different from what I've learned before because it wasn't just like about writing hooks or catchy headlines or, or anything like that. It was really about like creating concepts and, and ideas and, and doing PR and like, you know, all the things that that ad agencies today do. And, and they're like, first of all, like more, I think, like interesting. And second, they're kind of different because they're not just about like persuading people and kind of making them buy things because, you know, you tricked them into this or you were like so clever and all of that, but, but because it's actually interesting and entertaining and like, that's kind of my approach to, you know, to content and to all those things today as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I have, I didn't attend a portfolio school uh, or an ad school when I started out, but I remember, you know, when I started my career a long time ago, seeing the ads for uh, my Miami's ad school, uh, also um, VCU, um, you know, some of the others that are out there. And I, 
you know, it's like, uh, should I, should I go, you know, what will this add to my career? Tell us just a little bit more about that experience of attending an ad school, the kinds of courses that you took and also like the others that are there, because it's not just copywriters, there's designers, there's producers, right. videographers, and how you work together. Uh, in, in some ways, my understanding is it's almost like a student advertising agency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's exactly that. And you even take real clients at some, at some point, like once you like learn the basics, you actually start taking clients, like starting from like the second or third semester, which was pretty awesome. Um, and, and I feel like it's like that experience was amazing. First of all, because like they, they kind of approach education very differently. Like they, they want you to, and you know, and I guess it wouldn't be possible in other, like with other professions, like you can do it in med school, like you can start practicing right away. But in that school, like it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, they, they, right from the start, like they gave us real briefs and, 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 you know, and, and teachers there are like the, they're all like, they're all working in ad agencies and they all created directors. So they could also like let us work on, on some briefs that they, their clients gave them and introduced us to startups and to interesting companies that we, we could work on. So that was pretty amazing. And, and I think like in general, it's like, it's a very intense experience. Like, you know, like the, I lived with, with, a, with a few roommates back then uh, during those times. And like, they, they just say like, they didn't see me for, for two years basically <laughs> because I was, I was like either like, you know, at school or in my room, just brainstorming all the time. Like it was such an intense experience. And, 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 you know, like the school manager, he would always say that, that like the goal is to, to prepare us for the real world. And, and then once we get to an agency, it would be actually easier for us because working at an agency is also kind of intense, but then that's cool. I think is, is, is way more like you work all the time. You think all the time, plus you're not as experienced yet. So like things are taking you way longer. Um, yeah. So, but so, so eventually like it made me much, much better, I think. Can you share like contextually when you were in school, ad school, just so I have a better idea of like what those years were? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was, um, so that was 2018, uh, to yeah, 2021. Okay. Um, All right. Great. So let's continue the story then. So you're, then you leave school and what happens next? What does that process look like? Yeah. So, so even before I leave school, so actually all, all, all the fun stuff happened while I was in school. Uh, because first of all, I got into this, into this internship at Ogilvy Berlin. Uh, and that was one of the, like, you know, one of the greatest springboards I've ever had because they actually like, I think something that's very special about this agency, I must say, and, and there are a few agencies like that, um, is that, you know, they would actually give you real work. Like you wouldn't be the intern look for stock photos or do anything like that they would actually give you the most interesting briefs and give you an equal opportunity to to crack them and and during that time like during those like three months you know we'll be brilliant um I've, I've done some of my best work like it was it was incredible I've, I've got that i've got one brief for for a ketchup company from from austria and and we won dnad with those ads and then, and then, we're, or I think got shortlisted and won some other awards anyway. But then we also had a brief for Burger King, and and there was one of, and we won a bunch of awards for this one too. Print ads. Um, it was about it was about like our experience basically of of, of you know all the creatives that, that worked on that, of how during that time during lockdown we would just sit outside. And, and we would go out to eat and we couldn't like, you know, it was, it was locked down in Berlin and we couldn't like sit there at the restaurant or anything like that. So we, we would have to take the food out and just improvise tables at different like random places, you know. So we would go to like, I don't know, just sit on a staircase or, or, or like it's, yeah, just in the park or, or whatever. And then when the, you know, when the lockdown was about to end, then Burger King asked us to create something that would kind of, you know, talk about that. And we created this campaign where we just you know, took pictures of people actually doing that thing on the street and said like proper dining is back. You can go back, you know, and eat at the restaurants. And and that got, you know, like a lot of, a lot of awards, a lot of views. And that was like a really good kind of beginning to, you know, to my creative career. That, that's amazing. I am really curious about your brainstorming process. So, you know, you mentioned you get handed a brief and then of course that that's what the work starts. Uh, you know, for for most listeners who listen to our show, they're freelancers. They're usually not an agency, although there are there are a few. Um, so I'm I'm curious about that process uh, because I want to hear 
I want to compare your process of brainstorming, coming up with ideas, concepts, hooks, headlines, all that to my process. So will you just walk us through when you get handed a brief, like what does that look like? Yeah. So I think the first thing I start, I actually have like all those processes on my side because I usually do a lot of different things. Uh, but I think the first thing, just like, just like every like copywriter or creative would do is research. I, I go and I, and, and for me, research is not necessarily like for facts or anything like that, but it would be researching for mostly for insights. Like that's the thing that I want most. That's, you know, like if, if I have a good insight, just like with that Burger King campaign, I know that I'm in a good place and I know that I'll figure out that execution. But if I find like a good insight, a good human truth that people could relate to, uh, then I know that I have something good here, right? Because people like, you know, like anything that's interesting, it has to be human, right? Like we're not interested. There's nothing like interesting in seeing just something like robotic, unless we can see something human in it, right? Like, like, like think, like think about it. Even, even when we look at animals and we kind of think that they're cute or interesting, it's because they do things that are a little bit human or a little bit relatable. And I think it's, it, it's the same with advertising, right? We always want to find those insights, um, those little truths that, that, that would make things, you know, that would make people actually care about our campaign and not just want to, you know, skip it or, or scroll on. So that's what I'm looking for. And, and the way I do it is I go to different places and I call it uh, creative procrastination because that's like the most fun part about being a creative or a copywriter or whatever, because I can actually do things that, you know, other people are not doing, you know, when, when my girlfriend comes in and she sees what I'm doing, she's like, you're not really working. You're not really busy because, because I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm browsing Reddit and I'm, and I'm a non-gag and I'm looking at memes and I'm looking like I'm, I'm watching movies. Um, you know, I'm looking through some like YouTube stand-up comedy videos and all of that. And I always trying to keep it kind of around my subject, right? Like, because if I go too far, I would definitely lose it. But then, like, I always try to find interesting things that are related to that. And then, based on those things, like, once I write all those insights, or as Dan Nelkin calls them, buckets, I and all those interesting topics that I can explore, then later, I go and I try different techniques to actually come up with, with interesting executions. Um, and, and, and those techniques... Like, like there are a bunch of different things that I do. But for example, it would be trying to write some headlines and try to, to, to phrase those things in different, in different ways. So for example, using literary devices, and I would try to use like alliterations for, you know, just, for, just to try to write that thing in, a, in, in one way. And then I would try to rhyme it and, and, and so on. So that would be like this first part of actually like trying, like, you know, finding insights and then writing. <laughs> um, and then I guess from there, right, like I have, like I would fill my notebook with a lot, a lot of ideas. And, and, and it sounds like, you know, it's kind of quick, but it, but it could take like two, three days of just like going back and forth. And, and, and usually like, for example, in my current job, I work at a VC firm that's called Ground Up and I help our startups create ads. Um, so I usually have like enough time to do that. Sometimes like, you know, when I worked at, at an agency, then I would have like way, you know, shorter deadlines and I wouldn't have the option to go through that process all the time. But right now, like usually I have like the deadlines are not that strict and I really have time to go through the whole process and sometimes like, you know, give it some time to incubate and actually like, you know, and actually like work through it. Uh, so then once I have those headlines and once I have those first things, I, I sometimes go to the other direction and I would look for visuals. Like one thing that I really like to do, and I call it visual roulette, uh, where I would go to, I would go on a website uh, like Unsplash, uh, Unsplash.com, and I would look for random visuals there, right? Or, or, or Getty images or Shutterstock. And I would look for completely random images, not something that's related to my to my subject. And I would find images that would be anyway intriguing and interesting. And I would try to connect them uh, to my subject, right? Like I would see how, how this image of like, I don't know, a person skiing could, could be relevant to, I don't know, to an accounting app. And then there something, something really special happened because like this lateral thinking process where I try to connect the dots between two completely unrelated things um and then i also think about my insight that, that i had before and maybe the headline that i had before and then something like really special usually happens there and then i come up with some ideas but you know like it, it, i guess it sounds kind of messy but <laughs> but i guess that's the creative process right like no matter how how linear we you know we try to make it look it, it's still a little bit like uh crazy 
Well, it could, yeah, it could be messy, but it also could be orderly. So I guess for you, is it mapped out somewhere and captured? I mean, I know you write about a lot of your processes and share it with your newsletter list and with your community. So is it like, okay, I'm actually going to work through this process I've documented. So I cover all, <laughs> I cover all the creative exercises or is it more organic where you can look back afterwards and say, here's what I did to get here, but I kind of just move and figure it out as I go and stay in the flow. I think it depends on whether I'm stuck or not, because if I'm, if I'm not stuck and if it's just happening organically, then of course I'll just do it because I've done it so many times and, and I kind of, and I can kind of trust my instinct that I would like, you know, that my brain would lead me to the right direction. But then if I'm blocked, which happens every single day, <laughs> then I guess I would go back to my like website or my document documentations or anything like that. And I would try one of the techniques, right? Like I would try maybe to find an enemy and then go into that direction. Or I would find to try just like really interesting facts that could work and and try to build something around them. Or, or, or like a visual, as I said, or maybe play with literary devices. So yeah, so, so then of course I would go like to, to that process or maybe find like uh, phrases or quotes or something like that and connect these to to my subject could could you share um because you mentioned the burger king campaign that won awards and it's it's i mean it's just connects deeply with all of us right because we live through the pandemic and you just look at those images of people eating burger king on the street and you're like oh yeah like i did that um could you share maybe a couple ideas or um, maybe ideas or exercises you went through that didn't quite land, but helped you get to the end result? Yeah, absolutely. So for example, one thing that, that I tried there, um, I have this cheat sheet, this like big list of different media channels, right? So these are like different channels where my idea could live. And I, and I always think about it in this way. So like, you know, rather than, rather than like thinking, okay, so, so this is the media that people usually use, or this is the, you know, or like it's a tech company. So probably it should be a LinkedIn ad. I always like to look at this list and kind of, and I have like all the channels there. It's one, basically one of the first techniques that I've been using. Like, uh, like I remember like back in ad school, I thought about that thing and I just printed all those like different channels on the little list and just carried that folder around with me all the time because it's so useful. You know, like I have print, TV, radio, and, the, and these are the simple ones. But then I would also go like to Gorilla and I would have, uh, and I have like bus stations or, or floor stickers or, or like anything that comes to mind or a podcast or, or keyword hacking. And then like so many different, so many different channels and like, uh, like places where this one idea could live, where, where this one insight or this one like truth could, could kind of like, you know, like actually happen. And then what I tried there at first with that Burger King idea, uh, together with my partner, we tried to kind of turn it into this gorilla idea where we would go out on the street and kind of, you know, put those stickers on the floor, for example, and say like, this is not a table anymore, right? And they, and they would be like with this Burger King logo and then in different places. So that was like the first idea, right? And that came just like directly from that inside using that list. And then, and then you know, and then our creative director who was like, he, he's, he's an amazing person and like he, he's done some of the biggest campaigns I guess we, we all see all the time work, a lot of work for Ikea and Burger King and some other great other great brands so yeah so he said like yeah this is not working we kind of need to turn it into something like a little bit more real right like there are no people there so like think a little bit more into the direction of like street photography or, or something that is a little bit more human which is I think like like an amazing piece of feedback right because it's not like he didn't just say like it's not working, but he actually thought of how we can turn something that you know that that at the time was a little bit just like a little bit flat, literally <laughs> like just a floor sticker, into something like way more human and kind of like understandable and relatable and intriguing. Um, so so that was for example one technique that I used and, and didn't work back then, but but it kind of led me later into something good. Talking about something good. So how do you know when you've hit the idea? Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking about my own writing process. You know, I'll write 25 headlines or, you know, I'll have, you know, 10 ideas or whatever. And of those, you know, ideas, headlines, whatever, I know five of them are actually pretty good, right? Like, how do you choose the one? How do you know that that's the winner? Do you have a process for that? Or is it gut feel? Like, how does that work for you? So... 
reason so, so there are a few so there are a few parts to it so of course like it's gut feeling in a way like it's just like that taste thing is something that you develop with time and i think that like even like having a good taste it's something that happens even earlier than you know then you start making good ads because because like as soon as you start like watching a lot of good ads and enjoying them then you start appreciating like good work but then it takes some time until like like at least it took some time for me until I started producing like relatively good work that I could also kind of appreciate and, and kind of see that it was good because before that I just felt like everything I did was was bad at some point. <laughs> um, so, so I think yes, yeah, so I think definitely like it's this just this kind of feeling and, and this kind of taste that that develops with time where you see like okay like this this could really work like this really reminds me of that campaign or this really like i can see how like the the opposites in that sentence or like the contraction here could be like 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 the contrast here sorry it could be like really really interesting and and that's and that's like how it goes from the beginning but there are also like other things that i sometimes do when i need because sometimes i just you know i just fall in love with my ideas right like it's, it's really hard to kill my babies because because once i love that idea and once i'm you know i've been working on that for so long then suddenly it looks pretty good to me even if it's not and there's something that i've been doing for a while now since chat gpt came out especially gpt4 that can process images too and i use that to kind of get you know like more like like better feedback on my ads and, and and there are two exercises that i like to use so so the first one is basically just asking like uploading my image uploading like my draft or my like first layout to gpt4 and asking it like just explain this ad right and and just this exercise you sometimes get me really good results because you know often when i try to be too clever then, then i'm risking that i'm not really being clear and then if G GPT gets that, right, like if GPT explains that ad to me in a clear way, then I know that I'm probably heading in the right direction. Uh, or like at least I know that people would get it, which, you know, like if people don't get the ad and uh, which something that like happens sometimes, especially with creative ads, like people just don't get the point. Um, then, then, you know, then if I know that GPT gets it and it explains it well, then I already know that I'm in a good direction, right? Even if nobody has seen it. Uh, because there is no real way to validate an ad, like, except for running it, right? Like, eventually, we can think as much as we want, but, but like, eventually, we, we, don't, we won't really know until we run it. But I think, like, this technique has been working really well for me, uh, just, just asking GPT, like, either, like, explain this ad or even, like, doing a more in-depth process where I would ask, like, what would be the risks with this, right? Because we've seen so many examples of brands, like, uploading social media posts that would get them into so much trouble, right? I'm not, not even saying, like, if it would perform well or not, but, like, literally just, like, getting the company into real trouble. Uh, and, and, and I think, like, so much of that could be avoided if, like, sometimes we would just, like, ask GPT, well, what what's the worst that could happen right and usually you would get like pretty good answers and then like i'm not saying that you should never take risks anymore and you should just like go super safe always but at least like you would know that okay maybe like this sentence could be kind of problematic and and that's something that like I've, that that i've been using gpt for quite a lot yeah that's a really good use case for it i mean i've used it in many ways but i haven't necessarily used ChatGPT to reflect back, like, what am I trying to say here? Can you, do you get it? Is it clear? Because it's always clear in my head, but I also right. know that sometimes it doesn't <laughs> translate or the transitions don't make sense or the idea is off. And so, yeah, that's, that's a really great idea. I want to go back to your story and just kind of continue your story just so I have the full picture. So can we just talk a little bit about um, leaving ad school and kind of where you're working today and what that looks like today and that that shift for you yeah absolutely um so yeah so once you know like once ad school was was about to you know about to be over uh i you know i just i just had seen that i like i should i should do something right like i should find a way to you know like i, I should find a way to kind of figure it out for myself because i knew i don't want to work for an agency just like as a full-time employee like i knew i want to travel the world and i want to do something interesting and i wanted to kind of you know like try new things and i knew that like that agency life was not really for me uh as much as i love the craft and as much as i love the people uh, but I, I had like kind of other dreams. I surf and, and I wanted to travel the world and surf. 
and I had a lot of other plans. So, so at that point, I, I kind of got on LinkedIn. And before that, I thought that LinkedIn was just like the most cringe place in the world where people basically just brag and share the, you know, the boring stuff that they did. Uh, but slowly I saw people like Eddie Schlainer and, and, you know, and a few others that were writing some amazing stuff and Dan Nelkin, and they were writing some amazing stuff and kind of breaking down their processes and really giving really useful tips. And, and at some point, and like, you know, ad school was great, but then I started learning quite a lot from there as well. Like I, like I would go on LinkedIn and, and of course, like sometimes just scroll through a bunch of useless posts, but then a few of those people like really inspired me. And at some point I decided like, yeah, let, let's give it a try. You know, like let's, I also write a lot of headlines I make a lot of ads. Let's just like start breaking those down on, on LinkedIn because, because at that point I also noticed something pretty interesting, like in general about creatives. I, I think like, I think like there's something about creatives where we're really like, and copywriters and, and designers were like, we're really people, we're kind of afraid to share our work, right? Because it's kind of a scary thing, especially like our process or how we did things. And, and sometimes just easier to kind of, you know, to kind of share only your best work, right? Like, like, like just like Instagram influencers would only share their best moments and, and only share like the stuff that you're really proud of but not not share anything else like no like no sketches like and or, or never share like i don't know just like raw ideas or stuff like that and at that point i thought like and that was like my insight behind it and i thought like it would be interesting if i would just like transparently share everything i did uh and, and that's what i did i started sharing my campaigns and and showing like the process like step by step and that was like kind of my things like 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 ad recipes that's how i, I call it today and showing like this is step one this is step two this is step three and this is how i wrote this headline right and then quickly like it, it went viral i remember like there was one post that i that i did for tinder and and i showed how i wrote uh, how i wrote a tagline uh so the tagline was for every single person which by the way like a few months later became the tagline of uh, i think okay cupid uh <laughs> just randomly like without any connection to me because i think they, they worked on it probably much earlier but it was just a funny thing to see like it was kind of a cool confirmation <laughs> um but yes yeah, so, so i i really show like that process of writing which i called elaborate eliminate and play and the idea there was to write this long manifesto about the brand just write every single word that comes to mind then eliminate all the unnecessary words just delete like scratch out everything that doesn't matter and leave only a bunch of keywords right so like if we had this like long paragraph full of words then we would only keep the most interesting ones like swipe or 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 you know single or person or like the ones that actually mean something and then take those words and, and put them like in this like kind of little word bank and then you know play with them until you get an interesting result you know, get like a cool headline or, or tagline uh, and that was the technique there and i remember like it, it exploded you know it got like got like a thousand likes or something like that and it immediately kind of uh, honestly like changed my life because i get I, I like i got a bunch of offers from from potential clients and and from that you know and from that moment i just and i and i you know and i was still in school back then but i already kind of landed my first clients and i was like okay so this is so so this is possible like i don't have to find a job at an agency, I could actually just freelance and, and share my stuff online. And that, you know, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've seen uh, a lot of the stuff that you've posted on LinkedIn, some of the stuff that you share in your newsletter. And I, I really like the approach that you take as you walk through the thinking process. Uh, it, it's sort of a unique way to teach copywriting in a way that is so different from everything else everybody else is posting about you know the the way that you sh you do headlines or, or i mean you're you're walking us through the creative process and i remember even seeing some of this thing and, and immediately it starts ideas in my head i'm like wait a second i could use a line like that to promote this product that we sell at the copywriter club or i could use a concept like that you know and so uh, it's a little bit like I mean, the comparison is like looking through, you know, a communication arts awards book for inspiration, only I'm getting a small dose of it on LinkedIn or in, in your newsletter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's, first of all, like, thank you so much. And, and that's the thing that I've been trying to create. Because like, I think even when you look through those like award books and all of that, like you never get the recipe behind them, right? Like sometimes you would get an interview um, or you would get like, I don't know, like a short description about the process or anything, but like you never get an insight really inside you know like what really happened like how did they find those images like what were the struggles and, and all of that and i think like that's 
that's really the interesting part, right? Like that's what, and that's what I'm trying to show transparently, even, even like when it's, I don't know, not as magical as, as I would like it to be. Right. Because I, I feel like sometimes we like writers or creatives we want one kind of, we want this kind of like vibe of like being magicians, right? Like we want to think that, okay, we just like magically came up with that and that's our brilliance. But I think like there is also something like very humble and also, and also, I don't know, like maybe also, kind of good for us because we know that we could reproduce that process if we actually break it down and look at you know and look at it more more simply and, and actually as, as a step-by-step process rather than like something completely magical today are you finding your clients or are they finding you through linkedin mostly through your newsletter or through other channels yeah mostly that linkedin linkedin and newsletter and yeah and right now like i'm I'm still freelancing. I'm still like doing workshops and, and, you know, and taking some interesting client work, but I'm mostly working for, for that VC firm that I told in the beginning. Um, Cause I found that just like, you know, I really wanted to focus more on creating and less on, you know, just, just dealing with clients and, and all the, like, you know, most of the listeners are freelancers. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and yeah. And, and it was just like kind of a nice thing for me, like, first of all, to, you know, in terms of creation, to find that, to find that arrangement, but also in terms of like opportunities, because it's so much nicer to like in, in our firm, there are 40 to 50 brands that, that, that I can work with. And they're all like, early stage startups and they all do super interesting things. So, so, you know, so I actually get to kind of see the process from inside, like see them grow, see them raise money and also help them like, you know, come up with ads with creative stunts, help them grow their personal brand. So it's kind of like a whole, like it's kind of a different process rather like than just having clients. It's kind of like really being there, you know, seeing everything from, from the inside. So, so that's, that's also kind of exciting for me. Is that something that's um, we could replicate if someone's listening? They're like, well, that sounds good. I want to do something similar and work with a VC firm. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of it's about connections too, but how would you recommend a copywriter, a freelance copywriter listening could pursue something like that, um, which we haven't talked about on this podcast as much? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, like, I get that question a lot. And, and when, you know, and when I got that call from, from the VC firm, like, I, I didn't know what VC was, honestly. <laughs> I, like, at that time, I worked at BDC Paris, and I, I created, like, just ads for, for, like, big consumer brands like Michelin, Duolingo, and, and, like, I did all that kind of stuff. And I knew nothing about, like, like, I knew I worked with startups before, but I didn't really know a lot about this world of, like, venture and, and, you know, and raising money and, and like early stage startups. Um, so, yeah, so I was kind of surprised. But, but then like, you know, when I heard that and, and I also didn't have any connections before, right? It's not like I was like super connected, but it was really through LinkedIn. So I think like, like the point here is that what I, what I always say, and I also have like this, I wrote this article once about like fake ads create real opportunities. And I think like that's a really important thing that I live by that, that if you really want, you know, if you want to work with a certain type of clients, no matter what it is, like we're, I, I can go back to the VC firm thing later. But anyway, like, I mean, it's important to kind of share the type of ads that you want to create, even if you're not a like, even if you're not a student anymore. Right. Like I, I, I'm going to create like fake ads or spec ads, call them however you want for t- till the rest of my life, I think, because like I just have those ideas. And I just want to, you know, and I just want them to happen. So I just create them and I share them on LinkedIn. And sometimes it would be the, you know, and sometimes just someone would see them and think, okay, like that's the kind of work I want to see. Because you you can, like, if you only produce work for clients, it would never be the work that you want to create. Like sometimes it would be, but, but it wouldn't be always. Because in many cases, like, you know, you would have, I don't know, you would have to sign some agreement that you can share that. Or, or, or they would make changes at the last moment, right? But sometimes, like, if you want to create the work that you actually want to see in the world um, or, or the copy that you actually want to create, then it kind of puts you in a different position because, like, you can share that and people see that and they, and they would appreciate it and, and those opportunities would come to you. Like, that's, that's exactly what happened to me and it's still happening. I mean, some, well, like, there was one post and I think, like, there was just, just like, the craziest moment where, where I got, it got, like, I think 500,000 views or, or I think even more. And, and that one post filled my calendar for a whole year. Right. And these were fake ads that I just created for like for a cup company uh, where I just showed my process. And, and a lot of people like that and, and just 
you know, and that's it. I just got clients for, for, for the whole year, basically just, just from that single like fake ads post. So I think like, so I think like, it's not really about like VC firm or, 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 or agency or anything. Cause, cause like, I think in a lot of places you could get that kind of work where you work with a lot of different clients and, or, and you, and you're not necessarily like working full time, but also not really freelancing. But I think the point is that like, if you want to create a certain type of work, you should create it. And somebody in the world would see that because because that's the power of the internet, and and you would get those opportunities. Yeah, I love I love the idea that you know fake ads uh, you know create opportunities, and I'm I'm trying to process through. Okay, I write sales pages. Uh, it's not likely I'm going to write a ten page fake sales page, but uh, I could certainly create lists of headlines or leads, uh, you know, hooks, those kinds of things and talk through the recipe for coming up with that stuff. So, um, you know, there are probably ways to apply this to, you know, white papers and others. I think you have a slight advantage in that, you know, you're, you're really in this creative sphere where, uh, you know, the idea is usually going to be, you know, a one-liner attached to a visual, but, um, you know, that thinking process applies across, you know, all kinds of work. And so uh, I think this is, you know, I'm just really trying to draw a line out of this because I think this is an idea that more copywriters need to steal. I, I, I totally think so. Yeah. And, and I really don't mind them stealing. Like I try to convince them to do it more really because like, because I think it would make, first of all, like we would see more good work online. And second, I think like people would get the clients that they deserve because, you know, if you're just like, pitching people you never like you never know if you just like try pitching companies separately which is not a bad thing like i don't think cold outreach is a bad thing i think it's it's great and it does you know and it takes courage and it also takes skill but i think that when you you know like when you post something that you've created online you pitch eighty thousand people or a hundred thousand people sometimes at the same time if it you know if it's something good and that's a you know that's a whole different scale right and then out of those people you're probably like probably someone would find you and that's kind of different to try and, you know, each company separately where you don't know what process they have. You don't know if they actually need someone right now. Like it's not always about your skill, it's just like about being there at the right moment as well. Yeah, it's definitely inspiring. And I think we all need a kick in the, you know, a kick in the butt every once in a while to just like try something new and also share our work. I mean, I think there's so many copywriters and I'm one of them where it's just like, I don't, I do the work and I don't share it. And it's just a good reminder that as we're posting on LinkedIn or any social media channel and we're creating all this content, it's like one of those posts needs to be, here's something I worked on, whether it's real or it is, you know, some spec work. Um, this is getting really granular, but I know some of the writers listening probably have questions because I think there's a lot of mindset limiting beliefs or just head trash around oh my gosh, how do I do this? Can I do this? So I guess, can you break down you know, when you're posting that and you've done the work and you've created this tagline or headline for this company, are you then tagging the company? Are you like trying to get their attention or are you less worried about that? And you're just trying to share this really cool headline or tagline with your audience, knowing that it'll just attract a lot of attention. Um, I guess, can you just like break down the details of how you present it and your thinking? Because again, I know a lot of writers want to do this, but they just won't do it. They won't do it. Absolutely. And I think like two things about that. So, so the first one, like two things kind of encourage me to do that because, you know, like I don't have as much experience as, as you guys, for example. Right. And like, like, and there's always like, you can always get better. Right. Like, it's not like you're never perfect. You're never like ready to share. Right. Like it's always like, you, you're always waiting for like, for the right moment to come. And I, and I was waiting for it like for a while. And then like two things kind of shifted my mindset. Like the first one was that book, show your work by Austin. Kleon. I don't know if you, if you heard of it, but I think it's amazing. And like, you know, you can read so much stuff online about like, you know, start sharing your, your stuff, build your personal brand. I think like all of that is pretty unnecessary. Like if you read his work and like, if you read his like short little book, it covers literally everything you would read like on LinkedIn about like building a personal brand in like, you know, in like five years. Um, so, so I think that's, that's an amazing resource and, and that helped me a lot. And then the second thing was I, I spoke to a friend of mine and I was like, you know, like, 
I'm, I'm and that was back when I just started and I was like you know I'm just I'm just a student like nobody would listen to me and like why would I like I'm not an authority like why would I even share what I think if like you know like like how can I give other people advice if I don't even know what I'm doing myself right and then he told me something really smart he said like you know those guys on on, on YouTube who just like build boats and just share their process right like they just say, okay, I'm going to build that boat and, and, and that's it. And they take you with them, right? As they learn, as they go through the struggles and eventually they have a boat, right? They don't just like brag and show their boat. They actually take you through the process. And he said like, yes, yeah, so, so be that guy, be the person who builds a boat and not just shows their boat, right? And and that's, and that was not like this. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, like everything I need to do is just like use those like kind of humbling words, like rather than saying, rather than saying like, look at what I've done, look how great I am, or like, I'm, I'm so honored to share my awesome work or something like that. I would just say like, yeah, like here's something, here's a little something I tried, or I challenged myself to do like this, this and that, or here's my process, what do you think? And, and, and all of that. And, and I still do it in the same way because I still don't think like I'm some, some sort of authority and I'm like, I'm ready to share all my advice, right? Like, I don't think I'll, I'll ever will be ready. Like I'm just, I'm just learning. So really like you can look at my, all my last posts and it's always like, I challenge myself. Like I created those concepts. Like I tried this, I, I challenged myself to write 50 headlines. Let's see how it goes. And then sometimes, yeah, I would tag the, the company and sometimes I would speak to them and maybe it would work. Maybe it would not, but it doesn't matter because like, even if it doesn't work out with that specific company, it would work with another. So, so it's like, it's more about like sharing that and less about like lending that specific client. Although that could be cool as well. Okay, I want to go back. You know, you mentioned how you were using ChatGPT to validate ideas in the ads that you come up with. I'm curious, what other ways are you using AI to increase your creativity or your writing process? You know, what what things are you doing with it that maybe we could adopt? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a few like a few few ideas that I've been exploring lately. So one is really that that interview. Like like you can actually you know like it's kind of hard. To understand other people, right? And one example that I that I gave in one of my posts was um, I was doing those spec ads, like I was creating those spec ads for for Kindle, and and I said and I wrote that I really don't get people who don't use Kindle, right? Like I mean, I mean, what it is like about real books, and I, and I have a couple of books here, but like this literally my like physical library, like I don't have any books because I'm obsessed with Kindle, and and I think like it's so much better, <laughs> but then. And then, you know, like when you write ads like that, you really have to understand the other side, right? Because like, if you're, if you're like, even if you're convincing people to use Kindle, you still need to understand the objections. You still need to understand why people are not using Kindle. And that's one of the things that are great about GPT, because you can ask it to step into anyone's shoes. And then what I tell GPT is like, okay, you're a person who knows about Kindle, you know about the benefits, but you're still deciding not to use it. Like, tell me like, what's what's wrong with you like what's the matter and then gpt would go like okay so i like the smell of books right i like the i, I like the physical like kind of feeling of it in my hands and i like the fact that it's you know that it decorates my room it's it's on my shelf and all of that and then suddenly i would get like 10 objections that are pretty perfect and i wouldn't like sometimes i would be able to think of them but then like you know in five seconds i get like a perfect list of objections that I could immediately work with and either like, you know, try to tackle or just to understand or like, you know, like at least I'm aware of them and I know what it's all about. So that's, so that's one way. And that's, an, and then another way is really, um, is really just something that I called like the, the before and after table. And, and the before and after table is when I think like how the life of my customer or my, or my prospect would look like looks before they know about the product or use it and how it looks after. And often I, I would really ask GPT to write that schedule, right? Like I would say like here, like write me this, like write me the schedule, write me a day in the life kind of like framework or I don't know what of a person who lives uh, in New York. And like, I don't know, she just moved there. And she, she can speak English. And like, uh, for example, if it's an ad for Duolingo or some English school or something like that. And, and all the situations where she encounters that, right? And then I would get like this beautiful schedule hour by hour where like she goes to the subway and she can't speak English, right? So she can't buy tickets. And then she goes somewhere else. And like, I kind of can see all that day and all those struggles and pain points and like all those interesting situations, right? Because like, 
if we're creating ads or copy, they're useless if we don't have like specific examples of what actually happens with you know our the readers' lives. And then there we can get like those beautiful like stories and schedules, even if they're not like super creative, but still like it gives me a really good idea of like points I can tackle. And then I do the same just with the after, right? So I think about the before and then I say, okay, so now how their life would look once they know about the product. And then I get all the rest of it. So so these are two techniques that, that I've been, you know, I've been using a lot. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to snag the before and after idea for one of my emails, future emails. Um, I want to go back to agency life. And so I never worked for an ad agency. I did get an offer for a job out of college at Kaplan Thaler in New York City. Should have taken it. I should have taken it. I was like, this doesn't pay enough. It was $27,000. And well, I was like, typical. I mean, that's the problem with ad agencies. Entry level is so entry. But then but- I took another job. I took a, I took a worse anyway, job, a worse, way worse job for basically the same amount. And so anyway, regret that. Um, but I guess going back to like you shared, you know, you went to ad school and then you knew coming out of it that you didn't want to work for an ad agency. And here you are like, you know, really talented, creative person that the ad agency world lost. And so I guess I'm just wondering if you have, you know, a viewpoint on the future of ad agencies. And if I don't think you're atypical, you know, I'm sure there are many creatives who are just like, I don't want that. That does not serve a creative life. And so I'm just curious what your view is on the future of ad agencies, knowing that it may not attract all the talent that it used to. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to answer the, the question quite differently. Like, because, because I think like, I don't think I have like a really smart, like view or take on, on a, like, you know, the way ad agencies are structured or built because so many people have like spoke about it already and they know much more than I do. Cause, cause like, first of all, I, I didn't spend enough time working at agencies to, to actually like, you know, know everything about it and kind of, kind of say, okay, this model is broken. Cause I don't know. I mean, it's still working. And I don't, and I still don't see another alternative. I mean, I really believe in in-house teams, and I see that a lot of big brands are doing it today. But I still don't think like there would be a solution like you know that, that would solve everything. We still need agencies, so I really don't know like about the future of them. But I can say one thing that I like: I think that really a lot of creatives are moving into the B two B world now, and a lot of people who used to work like you know in those traditional agencies are kind of discovering that the tech world. And the B2B scene is is really interesting. Like in, in the past, we thought like, all right, so they're the cool brands, right? Like Burger King and, and Duolingo and Doritos and, and, and stuff like that. And then there are the boring brands like, uh, I don't know, IBM or, or or even like stuff that is even more boring. I don't know, like Asana or something. Like, who, who, like we know that they exist. We know that those are huge companies, but we don't know anything else about them, right? Like as creatives at agencies. But then... I feel like a lot of creatives are now discovering and, and, and I kind of always like compare it to the, to those times, like in the sixties, right before the creative ev- like revolution where all the, where everyone was like, sure. Like if you want to advertise in a car or promote it, you just need to show the features, right? You just need to show like why it's the best and that's it. And then came people like, you know, David Ogilvy and all the, the other people in the creative like revolution and, and they kind of changed it and they turned it into something way more interesting, engaging, creative, and what we know today as, as advertising. Um, so I think the same process is happening with B2B right now. Like, I think we're in the middle of this revolution because you, because you're seeing like so many awesome ads for, from brands like Upwork, Soundly and Slack and, and things like that. And I think that's only the beginning because like, if you look at like, I don't know, S and P 500 or like fortune 500 companies, you would see that like, there are so many tech companies there that, they have brands like, you know, they have a logo, they have corporate colors, but there's nothing really happening behind that. And I think that like, like a lot of creatives would kind of move there. And like, I don't know what would happen to regular agencies. I mean, I guess there are enough people to make ads because it's not like we're, you know, like uh, heart surgeons or something like <laughs> at the end of the day, like we're creatives and it's okay. Like it's, they would find someone to make ads, I guess. But then, but then I think that like a lot of down people would find like, you know, a lot of ch- like interesting challenges and a lot of interesting briefs and, and adventures in the tech world. And I think like that would get a lot of like attention in the next 10 years, in my opinion. Yeah. As I think about 
advertising agencies and and where they're going there's there's in my in my head there's really two functions of the agency mm-hmm. one is one is ideas and then everything else is you know distributing those ideas and getting them you know in front of consumers and i think it's it's really easy in a lot of ways to separate the ideas from the agency itself but i don't see the other stuff going away you know if you're a, a company with many products and uh, you need, you know, ads showing up in order to attract those consumers. There's efficiencies of scale that happen in the agency with planning, with account management, with uh, media buying, that kind of stuff. But there's no reason that we can't peel away a lot of that creative thought uh, um, and, you know, the ideas and have, you know, like what you've done, you know, it's like I can come up with the ideas all day long. I'll give you, you know, campaigns, flushed out, you know, images, copy, whatever, and then turn it over and let somebody else handle, you know, okay, well, where does this have to appear? Um, you know, how, how many times, you know, how, how much, um, you know, reach do we need to achieve with this particular campaign, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think there's a huge opportunity here for more creatives to freelance for agencies. It's something that we haven't talked a lot about on the podcast, but uh, certainly people who, who have that capability and tons of good thinkers out there. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I think like, yeah. And, and, and by the way, like freelancing for agencies, like whether it's B2B or B2C, like that's also what I did most of the time. Because when I worked for BDC, for example, I lived in, I lived in Mexico and Costa Rica. I was like, I really wanted to kind of make this dream come true and serve there uh, for a while. And, and that's, you know, and I worked from there and just did everything from there. And that, and that was, that was like awesome. You know, like I didn't, of course, experience the, the agency life and, you know, like all the cool stuff that they have there, but I had the freedom that I was looking for and also like the creative challenges that I wanted. So, so I think totally, like, I think that's, that's a really good arrangement for a lot of people. And I guess for agencies too, because I think if we're talking about the future of agencies, then I guess their biggest problem in a way is that they, you know, they have so much stuff and then, and then like, you know, and, and then you never know, like sometimes they would have a lot of briefs and then everyone would burn out and then, and then sometimes they won't have any work and then everyone is just sitting there and not doing anything. So, so I think like, you know, for them working with freelancers is also a great arrangement and a lot of agencies are doing it now. So I think this is also a good opportunity for us writers. Yeah, definitely. So as we wrap up, I just have a couple quick questions, or I guess one quick question. You mentioned you wrote for Tinder, right? You said Tinder, mm-hmm. right? So so that was so that was just a spec ad, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did you um what type of research did you do for Tinder? Can you just give a, a glimpse into the research process um in like a minute or so what you did for Tinder? Absolutely. So, so I think the coolest part there that I didn't do any research, right? Like I just did that manifesto and I just wrote everything I knew about the brand. Uh, and, and I already knew it. Like, like, and I think it's an important point as well, that sometimes we spend so much time on research and we spend like hours in front of our laptops just thinking, all right, like maybe this next article will kind of, you know, like get us to the thing that we need. But then if we look at the best campaigns and best ideas, usually they're kind of based on things that anyway, like anyway, everyone knows already. Like this is like usually like, especially if we're talk, talking like, you know, top of the funnel stuff like creative campaigns and like, I know, billboards and stuff like that. Usually it would be stuff that everyone already knows. And that's why I think there's something really awesome about just like closing your laptop and actually just writing everything you already know about the brand. And sometimes, first of all, you would save a lot of time and effort. And second, like sometimes the best ideas would already be there just like without doing any like research, which, you know, I'm all for research and I use Google Scholar a lot and a lot of like, you know, sometimes I I dig really deep to find like facts and, and, and interesting and interesting ideas there. But then I also think that, especially if it's a famous brand, it's always just interesting to go after the things that you already know, because like, you know, you've been living so far for like, I don't know how many years. So you already like know a lot of things anyway, intuitively. So why not use that? Uh, and that's exactly what I did there with the process. That's the end of our interview with Shlomo Genshin. And I want to just add a couple of thoughts to our conversation just to give you just a little bit more to think about as you apply these ideas into your own business. At the very, very beginning of this episode, Shlomo mentioned the magic of copywriting and this superpower that we all have to persuade anyone to buy anything and that it is easy. Of course, 
anybody who's been doing this for more than a few weeks know that it's actually not that easy. There are skills that you need to develop. You can't just write words. There are persuasion techniques that you need to learn. You need to understand where your customer is in their buyer journey, what their worldview is like, the problems that you're going to solve, all of that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. A lot of us are attracted to copywriting because we do think of it as this superpower that we can exercise and some of us even buy into those promises, work from the beach, make six figures, all of that kind of stuff. Obviously, there are a couple of different approaches to getting into copywriting and Shlomo took the ad school approach, um, which is literally a college built around building a portfolio that shows off your thinking ability, your strategic ability, and your ability to come up with great ads, campaigns and ideas, solutions to problems. Uh, we talked a little bit about this with Luke Sullivan in episode 115. He actually runs an ad school. And so if that's an interesting idea to you, you should definitely check out that episode. Uh, you know, it's it really is a different way of creating hooks and headlines, uh, concepts and, and big ideas than most of us take uh, when we're writing in the direct response world or in the online conversion space because ads living out in the world need to be interesting, entertaining, engaging. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn from it or even borrow some of these techniques because capturing attention, being interesting, being engaging is just as important for the work that we do. And that's part of why we wanted to talk to Shlomo about what he does. Shlomo also mentioned brainstorming as a process, um, but it's not just, uh, you know, sit down, totally freewheeling it, put you know ideas down on paper, there's actually a process that good copywriters go through as they're thinking through ideas. We talked about this with a couple of other copywriters recently on the podcast, Dave Harland, that's episode 339. He shared the grid that he draws out as he brainstorms different ideas. And Shlomo even mentioned Dan Nelkin, who we interviewed in episode 348. And Dan talks about his approach to bucketing out ideas and shares a few other tips when it comes to creating headlines, hooks, and different ideas. Uh, and, and as we talked about brainstorming, Shlomo mentioned one other thing, and that is that he's always searching for that good human truth. This is an idea that I first learned about when I was writing in an ad agency way, way I mean, more than 20 years ago. I learned this from a creative director uh, who was telling us that we should be looking for the weird truth. Something that, I mean, weird, something that stands out and truth is that it's going to resonate deeply with the person that we're writing to or trying to help. And so looking for that good human truth or the weird truth or that insight is absolutely critical when it comes to the brainstorming process. That's really what it's all about. And I appreciate that Shlomo shared that his research includes everything from watching movies and YouTube and watching stand up and collecting memes and checking out platforms and channels, what he called visual roulette. I think these are all really good steps in the brainstorming process to come up with ideas and to see things a little bit differently. Finally, Shlomo did mention the LinkedIn post that he said filled his year with clients. Those are the kinds of ideas on the podcast that always make my ears prick up. I'm like, wait a second, you filled an entire year with clients based off of one post. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of you listening would love to replicate. Remember, the kind of content that Shlomo posts is unique. It really does stand out from everything else. And it's not just speaking to an audience of copywriters, but it speaks to the process that he goes through so the clients can see how he thinks and how he solves problems. Remember, as a copywriter, you don't just write words, you are solving problems. And the bigger the problem that you solve, the more valuable you are. And Shlomo's posts show that in a very big, unique way. That goes along with that idea that we were just talking about fake ads create opportunities um, for the same reason. You're showing how you solve a problem when you create a spec ad or when you just show your thinking ability, you show that you, you solve big problems. So something to consider as you think about what you're going to share on social media, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram, Twitter, wherever you show up in the world. You want to do it in a way that stands out, but also shows off your process for solving big ideas so clients can see how you think. I want to thank Shlomo for joining us to chat about his work. You can find out more about him by following him on LinkedIn 
or by visiting his website, thecreativemarketer.net, where you can sign up for his newsletter. And that's where he shares his creative recipes. Definitely worth checking out. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your review of the show. We appreciate the feedback. We love hearing whether it's impactful for you or not. And then don't miss our other podcast at AIforcreativeentrepreneurs.com. You can also watch that on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.